belt tightening, flat CPI, and is the Fed policy frozen? Welcome, it's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We are glad you're here. On the way, we talk often about the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. We're going to talk about who they are, what they do, and how they do it. Ask Annex is on the way. And toward the end of the show, hear the difference. We always say know the difference. We want you to hear the difference. We have some Annex clients sharing their story, their experience working with us. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management in the studio. Welcome to you. It's great to be here. Hey, Dave Spano. Dave is our president and CEO. Welcome to you. Yeah, Danny, you started by saying belt tightening and flat CPI. I thought, you know, with Thanksgiving coming up, you were trying to give me, you know, a suggestion. That's right more there. for me than you, my yeah. friend. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's a lot. We have Thanksgiving coming up, a shorter week this next week. But inflation clearly was part of the conversation because it put the Fed back in the middle of the conversation. And the market reacted to that because it certainly looks like inflation has begun to calm down. It has. And, you know, the way that we're looking at it on our investment committee here at Annex is that you can kind of break inflation into the different drivers. There's part of it that's driven by the COVID supply chain issues and then another part that's driven by on the demand side, which is more within the Fed's control. They can't do anything as far as building ports and things mm-hmm. like that. And it seems like a lot of the reduction in inflation going from over 9% about a year ago down to closer to about like 3.2%, which was the most recent one. A lot of that was driven by things outside of the Fed's control. It was mainly supply side factors. And so we could see lower inflation going forward now that the Fed is having a big effect on the demand side of the economy. And that's right. And the Fed is going to do probably a, a, some type of victory walk here. But but what I'm concerned about, Brian, is that they reverse course too soon. And so here we are uh, just before Thanksgiving, and they're looking at this PPI number that came out this week that showed that service costs were in line. And of course, the dollar is stronger. And that's mm-hmm. something that is kind of outside of their control. Both of those things together might suggest that rates are going to turn around in 2024. It, it could. And the way that we're kind of positioning things as far as from a portfolio construction perspective is we're still getting good yields on cash and cash-like instruments. But when is the right time to start locking in those higher long-term yields? We think we're going to see a lot of volatility between now and let's say March, uh, maybe even longer than that, mainly because the Fed, they want to convince the markets that they are are on hold for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the market's pricing in 100 basis points of cuts in 2024. So 100 basis points, a full percentage point. That is a rather aggressive path of rate cuts. And I think the Fed is going to want to kind of push back on that. And so if they do push back on that, that means those longer term yields, we'll probably see some more of this whipsawing. Sometimes they go up towards 5%. Sometimes they go down towards 4.4, maybe 4.25. But we're probably in this range, this corridor is what we're referring to it as. You know, when you leave the city and you start driving into the country and you start to get to these roads that are are more rural, every now and then you might see a deer. And of course, (laughs) to me, some of these Fed officials look like a deer. They do. Yeah, a little bit like those deers caught in the the headlights. Uh, And I think that is one of the things. Keep in mind, when they started, in a way, overdosing the economy on stimulus, they kept it going too long because they were afraid COVID was coming back. You look at the minutes of their meetings and they kept saying the path of the economy is going to follow the path of the virus. And so they kept monetary policy too loose for too long. Are they going to keep it too tight 
for too long because they're afraid that, you know, the second that they pull back on the tightening, that suddenly inflation is going to start reaccelerating again. And of course, this wasn't just the Fed. There was fiscal yes. policy as well. But I do now think that they're going to let time heal inflation from mm-hmm. here on out, Brian. We're starting to see that in the 10-year Treasury as well, which has started to come down. And so really what it does suggest is that the Fed is going to monitor this. But as the election conversations start to heat up in 2024, I do expect them to reverse path. That is straight from the Annex Wealth Management in-house investment team, a deep dive in the markets. You know, we don't outsource our investment advice. Our Week in Review is powered by the in-house investment team. It's always available as a podcast delivered Sundays in the Axiom newsletter. If you want more in-depth information, we've got it. Just subscribe to the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management show for Saturday, November 18th. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We're back. Before we get going, a couple of things centered on taxes. First off, Get Tax Smart, the Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Planning Strategies Review. Great place to start if you're not with Annex Wealth Management. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. Also, the Annex Wealth Management Year-End Tax Planning Guide is out. Get yours at AnnexWealth.com today, right there on the front page. Don't have to be a client. I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our President and CEO. Thanks, Danny. You know, Brian, you and I were making a presentation in our Naples, Florida office this past week, and we had to explain the difference between the Magnificent Seven and the other 493. Please do that here. <laughs> yeah, so the S&P 500, Standard & Poor's 500, an index of the 500 largest companies in the United States. And so far this year, the top seven, they've been referred to as the Magnificent seven because they've had a marvelous year. They've actually been responsible for, I think, all of the returns of the S&P 500. But what about the other 493 companies in there? That's where it gets a little bit more interesting. They've been really the laggards. And so the way that we're looking at things on our investment committee is, you know, while everybody's focused on the index and the magnificent seven, are there some opportunities that a lot of people are ignoring? And we believe that there are. We we really do. And it's going to be about expectations and comparisons going to last year. And of course, this week is Black Friday. And of course, the retailers are going to be the middle of that conversation. And, you know, that has really changed. It used to be, as you know, people used to get up early on Mm -hmm. Friday morning and fight each other to get into the (laughs) store. But that has changed right now. And of course, the retailers are going to report and have reported and they've been interesting. It has been. So this past week, I think two of the biggest ones with their fingers on the pulse of the consumer target and Walmart, uh, slightly different stock market reactions because slightly different messaging. You know, Target, a little bit different demographic that each company caters to, right? Different uh, product lineup as well that they sell. But Target, the revenues were down, but their margins actually improved. So the margin is just how much profit are they making per unit that they sell? And that was better than expected. Seems like they're managing their inventory a little bit better. So that was really positive for them. Walmart, it seems like even though somewhat similar story, their guidance. So what they were telling about what has happened most recently and what they expect going forward was really a bit of a downer. You know, if uh, we look at the last two weeks of October, they said that there was actually a significant drop in activity the last two weeks of October, and they're not really expecting a very good holiday shopping season. Yeah, when you talk about retailers, it really could be, and we're talking right now about big box, Mm -hmm. but it really could be anything. And we are seeing good numbers in experiential types of ideas. And for example, travel 
uh, bars and restaurants and the like where people are going out, those are reporting better because people are still getting out. So there is a difference of retailers. So don't poo-poo the entire industry uh, altogether. But as we look forward into next week, there's a number of uh, leading indexes that we want to take a look at in some other reports. Uh, Yep. One of the first ones that I'm looking at is the conference board's leading index for October. Now, it might seem a little ironic that it's a leading index, but it's actually for last month. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's just the nature of the economic data. Uh, Interesting thing about that leading index, for about the last year, year and a half, it's been pointing to a recession. So the leading index, maybe it's more of like a misleading index. Um, But then we get into Tuesday, we get some existing home sales data. Wednesday, initial jobless claims, durable goods orders. Thanksgiving, everybody gets off. And then on Friday, Standard & Poor's. So they they have their index for the Standard & Poor's 500. They also have purchasing manager indices. So they go out and interview people at companies. And we get the preliminary reading for November for how manufacturing and services are doing. I'm really interested in waiting for Friday because I'm not going to go out shopping that day. Instead, I'm going to watch the data. Then you're probably going to have to just Amazon like everybody else is doing anyways. <laughs> but uh, more importantly, if you're listening to this and this makes sense to you, we every day in all of our offices, we have people come in and sometimes it's a mishmash, right? They bring in statements from all over. They don't have a coordinated plan. But even if they do, a second set of eyes on it from a team like ours really is the difference. Of course, uh, Brian, as you all know, has got a PhD and there's a bunch of them running around. We have lawyers and we have a really deep investment team. There is a difference between financial advisors. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning done as a fee-only fiduciary. We say it all the time. We want you to know the difference. Check out the website. Do it this weekend. It's AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. We'll get things going and we'll fit you right where you need to be. Annex Ignite, Annex Comprehensive Wealth, or Annex Private Client. More on that a little bit later on in the show. We brought it up earlier, our in-house investment committee. Who are they? How does it operate? That's up next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Our radio shows always begin with a week in review recap of the market. And in it, we mention our investment committee. But who and what makes up that investment committee at Annex Wealth Management? We are about to find out. Joined by Matt Morsey, CFP and investment team manager at Annex. Hey, Matt. Hey, Danny. That's quite a crew there. You know, over the years, we've had plenty of representation of various teams at Annex on this show. The retirement planning team, the estate planning team, tax planning team. But outside of Dave Spano or Derek Felsky, not a lot on the radio about our investment committee. Just mentions. We're going to draw back the curtain if that's okay with you. That sounds great. Looking forward to it. Cool. Let's talk about that investment committee. First off, let's brag. It's a pretty smart bunch. Yeah, we at least like to think so. We've got multiple CFAs, CFPs, a PhD even on staff, master's degrees. So a lot of different background, a lot of different education, you know, routes that people took. And that that helps add to that conversation that when we meet. Matt, please describe the scope of what that Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee does on behalf of our clients. Sure, so our responsibility is to manage the portfolios of our clients. That not only starts with how much risk is every client comfortable with taking, finding out what that is, and then managing that portfolio based off that risk tolerance, looking at what asset class allocations to use for them. So are we overweighting U.S. stocks versus international stocks? Is it stocks versus fixed income? Stuff like that. And then down to the security level. So are we using mutual funds? Are we using ETFs, individual stocks or individual bonds? So it starts really high level at risk, but works all the way down to what 1% goes to where within that portfolio. That's on behalf of our clients. Most of our clients 
have lots of interactions with our wealth managers. How much contact does members of the Annex Wealth Management Committee have with those wealth managers? Oh, we have a lot. That's a, a really big part of what we do. So we have wealth manager inside the committee as well, too. So that idea can flow through those committee meetings. But also on the day to day, a lot of what we do is work with our wealth managers to decide which portfolio is right for which client. And then how do we use that portfolio to reach their goals? So are there certain t- tax constraints that they might have? Are there certain legacy positions that they might bring over to Annex? And we got to move our way around that position to make it be a part of that portfolio. So we work really, really closely with them. I've heard the term committee views. Does that mean a particular philosophy? I'm going to guess with a group as diverse as we've got on that committee, there's a variety of viewpoints. Can Can you break that down a little bit? Yeah, some really lively conversations within the group. We all come at it different ways. Everybody has a little bit different background that came into that committee. So we do work through at the end of all of that, what our view is of the committee in terms of what level of risk should be taken. Again, going back to some of those things that we, we talked about earlier. So at the end of the day, we all come to a consensus of what we want to do. And then that's what echoes through our client portfolios. But yeah, it takes a little bit of work to get to that point, And certainly the backgrounds help with that conversation. Getting back to the clients of Annex Wealth Management, the investment committee provides customization for clients if necessary. Can you describe how that might work? Every client is different. You know, they come to us at different points in terms of where they are in their life, where they are from a savings perspective. Are they working? Are they retired? All the things that we talk about on the radio all the time in terms of how we customize financial plans for people works exactly the same way within portfolios. People have different risk levels. Some people are able to withstand the volatility that we've seen in the market. Other people, not as much. So we have to work through that in that portfolio, make sure that it's exactly right for that right person and find the things that we can do to help them out, reach their financial goals with it. The Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee is headquartered at our headquarters. And whenever I am over there in that area, it's a, it's a really busy place. There's a lot of monitors, a lot of graphs, a lot of research information. Is this more like mission control or an NFL draft room? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'm a big sports fan, so I'm going to pick the draft room where we're all kind of coming at it. We're all putting our insight in terms of where we need to be. So I kind of think about that way of, of scouts coming through and saying what players that they think are the players that you should draft. You know, what are the, the benefits of each one of them? And where should we be putting that resources as a team in order to, to bring in talent? So in terms of us, it's investments. And so we all have those conversations. And then as a group, we work through, OK, this is the right way to do that. This is how we want to put that viewpoint through. So I'd say more like an NFL draft room. I like that idea. I, I see you guys talking quite a bit, but I also know that there is a formal meeting, but the exchange of information is constant. Yeah, we're a really close team. We talk constantly with each other. Uh, We formally meet every Tuesday morning as a committee, but subsets of that team meet almost every single day in other meetings, whether that is on investment selection, or maybe it is how do we make our process more efficient, or how do we upgrade the way that we look at things and, and improve on what we do as a team. So we meet every single day as subgroups within that committee, and then we come back every single week to discuss them. You know, I didn't realize until I was here a couple of years that similar firms actually don't have investment committees or investment teams. They, they outsource it. So like an outside company is making day-to-day, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter decisions. I don't need to tell you that a local team is really where it's at. Yeah, it's much more personalized, I think. You know, you can really work with our wealth managers here, both from a client perspective going to them and then us coming from that other side in order to make sure that that portfolio is right versus having somebody that's far away that doesn't know who that client is, can't come into client meetings, maybe go through that portfolio with them or answer any questions that they have. Before I let you go, I did mention the investment committee doesn't get a lot of airtime, and that's only partially true. If you want to get into the nitty gritty, we've got the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast on Spotify that's usually up mid 
mid-morning on Monday. You're part of that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We really like coming together to go through that format and, and have those conversations. It's a really good way to see how we talk to each other, how we make kind of decisions in terms of what we like, what we don't like, and come through with that. It's a, a great way to, to kind of hear what actually comes in through the committee meetings. Thanks for doing what you do. Matt Morrissey is a CFP and investment team manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. And while we're at it, just want to put a quick plug in for the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Matt is a big part of that. It airs every Monday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. It's good stuff. It's the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. It is Saturday, bottom of the hour. Let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Time for Ask Annex. As always, if you got a question for us, you head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. And as always, if there's something we can do for you, just click that Get Started button. Matt Moore is the investment mm-hmm. team manager is in the studio. Welcome. Hey, Danny. And we got Fred Coleman, CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Thanks for having me. First question on Ask Annex today. My grandfather bought a $1,000 life insurance policy in 1951. My parents are surrendering it for $6,500. They think that's good. I disagree. I'm trying to tell them that even at extremely conservative 5% interest, if they had just invested $25 premium each year, it would be over $15,000 instead of $6,500. At a more reasonable 10% interest, it would be over $225,000. Am I correct? Hindsight is always 2020, right? <laughs> but when it comes to life insurance, you know, the first thing is it, it has its own purpose, and that's to mm-hmm. cover your life if, for whatever reason, you were to pass away. From that perspective, probably made sense back in 1951 to get that life insurance policy. And the investment side is really secondary. Now, when your grandparents took that policy out 70 years ago, I'm sure that was their thinking. With that being said, it's important to continuously reevaluate your life insurance policies every year to see, does this policy still make sense? Because, you know, I had to run the numbers myself. And when you compound $25 over 70 years, yeah, those numbers are are very similar. And I couldn't believe it myself. Mm -hmm. I actually had to bring in another wealth manager who's actually studying for their CFP. I'm like, do you see these numbers? Like 25 hours over 70 years. And those numbers are, are really close to what you're saying. So so yes, the $25 compounded over 70 years would have been similar to what you got. Yeah, I think Einstein said compounding interest is like the eighth wonder of the world. It is just so impactful to have that continuous saving, having a positive rate of turn over time. The effects really are gigantic. You know what was sobering for me? 1951 was 70 years ago. <laughs> that was crazy. Second question on Ask Annex. Could you please explain fractional shares and how they might work? Is this a fad? Yeah, I don't think so. And just to take a step back, fractional shares really essentially are just not whole number shares. So typically from a stock perspective or ETFs, you buy in whole numbers. You buy 10 shares of something, 20 shares of something. What fractional shares is gives you ability to buy 10 and a half shares. And where that doesn't sound like that much, it's really from a simplicity or an efficiency standpoint of why that's coming out. Mutual funds already trade this way. When you buy or sell a mutual fund, you generally are buying $10,000 worth or $20,000 of that mutual fund. At the end of the day, the pricing comes through and you get 10,000 divided by whatever that share price is and you get the fractional shares included on that. Stocks don't trade that way now for the most part. Some custodians do have the ability to do that, primarily on the retail investor side where they can invest $100 or $500 and get whatever that approximate number of shares is at that time. I do think this is going to be coming in. This is going to become more mainstream because it really just is a more efficient way to invest 
invest really does allow people to really just say, I want to invest $10,000 again and just get the number of shares versus having to do that math and having some weird number, you know, put in there as a whole number and having some money left over. So yeah, I don't think it's a fad. I think it's here and it's going to start expanding. I think it's always great when you can get more people to be able to invest that may not have the funds to buy a whole share. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love it anytime you can get more people involved in investing. So. Next up on Ask Annex, my kids are eight and newborn. They'll most likely not be in college at the same time. So do I have two separate state 529s for them or just use one and try to replenish, not use it all for the oldest and then try to pay the little one in cash? Yeah, great question. So you should open one in each of the kids' names. And the first reason is because each beneficiary that you have will qualify for additional tax deduction. Um, So that's one of the main benefits of 529s. Outside of being able to use the funds tax-free for qualified educational expenses, you get that tax deduction for you contributing to the 529. If you only have one account, the second reason is the investments should be different. Mm-hmm. You know, the eight-year-old, as he gets closer to college, you'll want to decrease the risk because they'll need to use the funds for books, tuitions, and things along those lines, whereas the younger child will have much more time, so you can be a little more aggressive with the investments. And once the oldest is done, you can always pass that other 529 down to the youngest. Yeah, I think you're spot on from that, and especially from an investment point of view, you really are going to have two different risk tolerances. Now, today, with such a long time between now and college, maybe they're really similar. For instance, we have a nine-year-old. We're as aggressive as we could be for that nine-year-old. We have a younger child as well, not as big of an age gap, but they have the same risk tolerance right now for our two kids. But in a couple of years, we're going to start to scale that down for our son as we do get closer and closer to when he needs that money for college. And you're, especially with that big of an age gap, when that kid, the oldest one is 18, you're going to want to be ultra conservative with that money because you're going to be drawing money out of it. And your other one is going to be 10. And that you're still probably going to want to be pretty aggressive with. So you really do want to probably make sure that you have two accounts that you can manage differently to them. But also then from a standpoint of how do you want to provide from those, you could really make that decision with a little bit more customization with having two accounts. You think your wild man nine-year-old is going to make college? I'm certainly hoping so. I'm certainly hoping so. <laughs> Matt Morrissey is the CFP and Investment Team Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. Fred Coleman, CFP and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Daddy. Folks, we always say know the difference. We want you to hear the difference. Stick around. Annex clients are going to share their story next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, and that's the goal of this segment. Another opportunity to meet real-life clients of Annex Wealth Management that we work with for investment, retirement, estate, and tax planning. And in this conversation, you will be able to hear the difference. Let's say hello to Carol and Roger. Hello, Carol. Hi there. Hello. And hello, Roger. Good to meet you, Danny. Right at the top, some quick questions. Got to be official. You are clients of Annex Wealth Management. I am. Yes, I am. Annex is not providing any type of compensation for your time on this segment? Not a thing. None. And there's no conflicts of interest between you as a client and Annex as a firm? None. None. We enjoy speaking with clients about their retirement journey because what you share about your experience might help somebody who's on the way or in retirement. And I got to say... You must be really good at retirement by now. <laughs> You've been retired for 31 years. Yes, sir. What were you doing career-wise before then? I was in law enforcement in one of the bigger Midwestern cities. And you had a full career with them? Yes. Carol, how about you? I'm a registered dental hygienist, and I still have my license, so periodically I'm still working. Every once in a while I get back mm-hmm. in the game. So yes. how old were you when you retired? 53. 
What did you do at 53? Did you just kind of sit in the backyard or did you pick up something on the side? Negative. I went to work the very next day Did you? because really? I knew I had to stay busy. And I've been working every day since then. You told me you were on the SWAT team and a SWAT team is a high intense pressure job. You were on call all the time, right? Yes. But even at 53, you weren't ready to kind of pull that ripcord? At 53, I was ready to pull out. I had planned my retirement. I knew where I was going to go. I knew financially I could leave at that time because my pension was like 50% pay. And I knew I could find another job to make up the other 50%. Let's talk about that a little bit. Police work is very pension oriented. Did you have a plan? Did you know exactly what you were doing as you were heading to retirement? Right. The city uh, that I was worked in had a great pension plan, great health benefits, great benefits. So I enjoyed my 26 years, but after that, it was time to go. Any advice to somebody that you give who is in that retirement planning stage? Save. Plan for the future. My dad brought me up with budgeting, and I budgeted from probably 15 years old when my first job put this and this and this away for utilities and whatever might come up. So I did that. A lot of guys I worked with blew it all when they're still working. Roger, three decades ago, retirement planning was a completely different ball game. And because of your profession, pension base, were you working with a financial planner back then? No, I was not. It was just kind of put away in a 1% savings plan somewhere. And then as I got more knowledge, I thought, well, I better get an advisor because my portfolio was starting to build up and was not going where I wanted it to. These were the days before Annex Wealth Management. You worked with other companies? Yes. I was with a larger firm, and they kind of pushed me in the wrong direction. I only saw an advisor once in over 20 years. Mm. I had my money there. So when I got to meeting the people here at Annex, I decided to switch over and been pleased beyond words. Extremely, extremely happy here. <laughs> this is a leading question, but what is it about Annex Wealth Management? What drew you in? One of the probably off-base questions is, it's right down the street from our house, but I have heard about Annex. I listened to their program in the morning. Uh, there were some people in the media were at Annex, and I thought, well, if they're there, I can be there. And since I've been here, I couldn't be more pleased. My financial advisor and his assistant hmm. have led me straight forward all the way. I would never go anywhere else than Annex. Now, Carol, you said you were with a firm and you really spoke to them once in 20 once years? In all in 20 years. What's your relationship like with us? Oh, it's fabulous. Just a side note, we lost two children within six months oh. and a mother. And our advisor and his staff were there right away helping us all along. We would have been lost without them. And they had suggestions like crazy for us. I'm so sorry to hear that, but I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to, oh. to do that. And they didn't miss a beat. They really didn't. And Roger had been here for many years before I switched over. And once we did, though, we get a call. Or we're in here, I think, once or twice a year with them. Or they call. They send us emails. You couldn't ask for better people. Did you miss us during COVID? No, we yeah. came in. <laughs> oh, you did? We did. Great. Nice. Yes. And they guided us into something oh. I had never thought of, and that was a will and a trust. I had never even thought about that. And my advisor said, said well, it's time you think about this with your, we have a blended family. Both our spouses are gone. So we have to decide where our finances are going with our children. And we sat down with one of Annex's lawyers. And he led us right down the path, and we're extremely happy. Yeah, it really is nice that oh. we've got everybody here 
They do. They're right here, and you call, and you're taken care of immediately. Yeah, somebody's on the brink of retirement. What do you kind of wish you might have known 20 or 30 years ago about retirement? Maybe not retirement planning, but about retirement. Danny, I really can't say. I've led a charmed life. Everything besides losing family has gone great. We're, we're way beyond the financial means that I ever thought we'd be, and I have to give it all to Annex. I agree, 100%. Carol and uh, Roger, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. When we do things like this, we want our, our radio audience to to kind of hear the difference. And having you come in here and kind of share your experience, hopefully it's going to help some others. Thank you. I hope so, too. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you. You know, we make it easy to find us and meet with us. We've got a bunch of locations. Elm Grove, Lake Country, Mequon, Appleton, downtown Milwaukee, inside the Fister, Madison, Naples, Florida, and Libertyville, Illinois or as close as your computer, AnnexWealth.com. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, WTMJ. We're back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. This show you can get as a podcast on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify. In fact, that's where you can find all of our stuff, including the SWAT podcast as well. Highly recommend that. We'll have a brand new edition on Monday morning. I'm Danny Clayton in the studio with Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our President, CEO. Dave, earlier I was talking about the, the three different facets of Annex Wealth Management. Annex Ignite, great place if you're just starting out. Annex Comprehensive Wealth is a tremendous place. Maybe you're 10, 15, 20 years away from retirement. You've been working at it for a while. And then Annex Private Client, that is something special. It, it really is. And of course, you know, when Brian joined us, we had to get an extra business card to put all of those letters <laughs> after his name. But, you know, not only PhD, but law degree and CFP and so on. So there's a lot that goes into it and it really helps us in these private client areas. But, you know, there's an old saying that says shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. You Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, there's other sayings across the idea is that, you know, the first of all, the father makes it, yep. then the son takes it over, and then the grandchild sells it, and then the, his child is left, <laughs> is left begging or something yep. to that effect, right? So, of course, you have to look at and how you transfer wealth and how you protect wealth really is a part of the education process mm-hmm. that we do with clients, and we did a lot of that this past week. We did. We had a lot of fun when we were in our Naples office to give presentation on navigating uncertainty. If you think about what's going on right now, not only do we have uncertainty in the markets, but there's even uncertainty in the tax code, mainly because the Tax Cuts and Job Act from 2017, that is set to sunset in 2026. So as of January 1st, 2026, if nothing happens between now and then, there are some significant changes that could affect estate planning especially. And so it was great to team up with uh, Amy and Brandon to go down there to discuss what it is, what can you do now in order to help plan for whatever might happen. And of course, there are uh, tools that you can use in the estate planning world, but you know, there's intergenerational wealth planning, and that really is about articulating your goals mm-hmm. and educating the younger generations and bringing them into the conversation. We all have the tools. Estate planning lawyers know most of those tools, but it really happens before that. It, it does. And I think the key thing that you mentioned there is the education. And that is one thing that it's one of many things that I absolutely love about us here at Annex is the empowering 
education. And it's not just for the clients, but even for the client's heirs, their children, the grandchildren. Because you can have a great plan for your legacy, but unless you have actually communicated that with all the interested parties and educated them, that plan might fall short of your expectations well after you're gone. And that really is about literacy for the younger generations. And of course, you know, they have to become stewards for these Mm -hmm. assets. And we go through and, and we did a survey. Number one of those issues was family meetings and regular communications, not just with the patriarch, but with mm-hmm. everyone else that's involved. That's educating family members, planning succession. How is it going to work? You know, what are your goals for this money? If you want to set up some type of charitable bequests, mm-hmm. are they in line or should the kids maybe give some, some money to the things that they're interested in? Sure. These are all the conversations that we need to have. Well, and what a wonderful time of year to be talking about this because hopefully families are coming together for Thanksgiving and then you have Christmas as well. There's a great opportunity to sit down around the table and say what you're thankful for and then how you want to actually be a steward of these gifts that you have as far as the beneficiaries are they individuals or are they charities you can have that conversation let's say it's with a donor advised fund how is it that you want to spend that which charities do you want to support you can have those conversations and that, folks, really is about trying to get everyone together and over the Thanksgiving dinner and make sure that everybody is in line and, you know, we can talk through the missions, we can talk through some of these goals and be stewards of these assets that they are fortunate enough to have. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave started the segment. He was kind of giving you a hard time about all of your titles. Don't tell us. Were you also an Eagle Scout? <laughs> you know what? I actually only made it to, I think, uh, through the Cub Scouts. Okay, and then I, got, right. then I got involved in other activities yeah, like good. debate I, and things good. like that. Dave, I feel better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, feel, I, I was in the woods. That's how yeah. I learned it. <laughs> I made it to Weebolo. That's as far as I did it. Ladies and gentlemen, this past hour has really only been a glimpse of what we do. There's a reason we do a 60-minute radio show. It's so we can showcase what we do on behalf of our clients. We'd like to help you. Let's get things going. Let's get things tidied up before the end of the year. How about that? This is the time. AnnexWealth.com is the place. We're ready to go as a fee-only fiduciary partner. Let's start that conversation. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. We'll be back here next Saturday at 10. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ.